0: Welcome to the Soil and Roots podcast, cultivating deep discipleship in community. I'm Brian Fisher. This is episode 58, What is a Greenhouse? We've now wrapped up our exploration of the third primary problem, the formation gap, and we've dug into all five elements of genuine discipleship, time, habit, community, intimacy, and instruction. I just want to say thanks so much for journeying with us. This season, it's been a wild and wooly ride. Today's episode is a bit different because it's a practical look at the communities that Soul and Roots forms and supports as we grow together to become more like Jesus. We call these communities greenhouses. If you've been listening to Season 3 and wondering how these five elements all fuse together, this is the episode for you. If you're in a greenhouse or thinking about forming a greenhouse, this is also for you. We haven't had a new visual aid in a while, and you know how much I love those, so if you have a moment, head over to Soilandroots.org and click on the resources tab in the documents called Greenhouse Basics and Greenhouse FAQ. Unfortunately, neither of these includes fancy pictures or helpful charts. They're just Word documents, but they're helpful nonetheless. Alright, let's set the stage. First of all, the Soil and Roots podcast is designed to be experienced Sequentially, starting with episode one. If you've jumped in midstream, that's fine, though we may be using terminology or concepts that aren't yet familiar to you. We've just finished exploring the last key element of instruction and how it's essential that we experience instruction that is repetitious and that slowly introduces us to more complex topics over time. I've attempted to build this entire podcast journey with that in mind. If you started at the beginning, you've probably noticed I often give short, repetitious reviews of what we've covered so far before launching into a new idea. I'm doing that right now. Sometimes I include entire bonus episodes that draw large blocks of ideas and concepts together. We continue to reinforce older material as we explore new, more complex material. Season 1 includes episodes 1 to 13. It's an introduction to Soil and Roots, and it explores the premise that... Though we talk about making disciples all the time, we're actually struggling to do it. Many of us have this sense there's more to the Christian life than what we're experiencing. Jesus promised we'd do greater works than him. But if we're honest, we're not sure that promise really characterizes our lives. Because of the typical Western chaotic lifestyle and technology that promises to bring us together but rarely does, and Christian lives that are often segmented and disconnected— Many of us struggle with a sometimes hidden sense of disconnection from God, from others, from ourselves, and even from God's second book. Early on in season one, Southern Roots then took a turn from the traditional, customary, generally accurate explanations for why we might be experiencing this disconnection. Most of us know we should read our Bibles and go to church, that we should be serving and volunteering and evangelizing and praying and tithing. But I proposed in Season 1 that the primary reason for this disconnection is actually found in a surprising, usually overlooked place. It's not in our thoughts or even in our beliefs. It's in the realm of ideas, the mostly unconscious assumptions and principles that power and govern our hearts. That's where the name Soil and Roots comes from. Our hearts are our roots, and our roots are planted in systems of ideas, the soil. It takes a while to get our arms around this concept of ideas, but once we start to recognize them, we begin to uncover them everywhere. In our hearts, the hearts of others, and in entire communities and cultures. Learning to recognize and identify ideas in the air and ideas in the soil functions a bit like a humbling superpower. I say that tongue-in-cheek, but it really does help to understand the reality in which we find ourselves. Theologian Dallas Willard proposed that discipleship is about the progressive transformation of these ideas, the gradual forming of dark ideas into light ideas. Now, season two, which runs from episodes 14 to 25, is about how we explore and identify these deep-rooted ideas and desires that power us. Many well-meaning people hold to the unconscious conclusion that the human heart is incapable of being formed and transformed beyond our salvation. There's very little vision or expectation of becoming more like Jesus, of being sanctified, of experiencing deep discipleship in our current era, of our ongoing character formation. Though we generally accept we can become reconciled to God, there is little expectation that the gospel also encompasses the redemption of our relationship with others, or with ourselves, or even God's good earth. However, the Bible paints a different picture. We can, in fact, discern the ideas and desires that govern our hearts. We can compare them to the heart of Jesus and be intentionally formed to become more like him. And the process isn't all that complicated. God has wired each of us with eight simple indicators that point down to the bedrock of our hearts. By exploring these indicators with God and some trusted, safe friends, we can and should discern where our hearts beat in time with Jesus and where they don't. By exploring our thought patterns our emotional tendencies, our behaviors, our relationships, our health, our words, and how we use time and money, we can get a pretty clear picture of what's going on down there, if, that is, we're courageously curious. We call this ongoing process heart view, this partnership with God and others to help us read our indicators in order to understand our soil and roots. Heart view is a spiritual discipline, it's a habit, essential to journeying through deep discipleship. Now, Season 3 stretches from Episode 26 through next week's episode, and it builds on the previous seasons. If discipleship is about character formation through this transformation of ideas, and we can discern our unconscious ideas using heart view, what sort of environments and communities do we need in order to experience this spiritual change? Well, the best community in which to journey to become more like Jesus to resolve this disconnection in this sense that there's more to the Christian life is one that intentionally embraces five key elements. Key elements that are common to any human formative experience. Time, habit, community, intimacy, and instruction. And Soil and Roots calls these specific communities greenhouses. A greenhouse is simply a way to replicate the type of communities that Jesus and the early disciples modeled. These types of communities have in large part, been lost to Westerners in the last 150 years or so, and so Soil and Roots as an organization seeks to restore New Testament spiritual formation through cultivating and supporting these greenhouses. There's a particular personality or flavor to the Soil and Roots greenhouses. They intentionally seek to help resolve the current three primary problems in the West, all of which are based on faulty ideas that make it difficult for us to experience this deep discipleship the West has largely forgotten the kingdom. We may embrace Jesus as our personal savior, but we have very little vision for him as the king of the cosmos. Many people interested in Jesus don't really know what the gospel of the kingdom means, though it's the pervasive theme of the Bible. Though God has placed us into four relationships, with him and others and ourselves in creation, modern Christianity tends to function from the idea that Jesus came to deal with only one of those relationships, at least in the present. Greenhouses embrace the comprehensive nature of the gospel of the kingdom, which is the good news that our king has come to redeem and reconcile everything, and that redemptive work is in process right now in all four relationships. Because we live in an age of hyper-rationality, at least when it's convenient, modern Christianity has lost much of its understanding of story. If being a disciple means becoming more like Jesus, not only do we need to know him— we do need to know ourselves. If we don't embrace discipleship as the practice of exploring both the object and the subject of our formation, we'll find ourselves in a dilemma, a discipleship dilemma. Greenhouses encourage and embrace the exploration of our own hearts and our own stories so that we may grow into an increasingly deeper relationship with God and others. And as we just mentioned, many of us lack these type of kingdom-centric, intentionally formative communities. We exist in a formation gap. We may experience one or two of the necessary elements of our formation, usually instruction and some basic fellowship, but our spiritual formation is stunted because we don't have access to groups that embrace all five. Various thinkers have labeled this formation gap differently. Dallas Willard called it the great omission. Modern Christianity preaches disciple-making, but struggles to actually produce them. One pastor friend of mine believes this great omission is caused by a brains-on-sticks philosophy in our culture. Our ideas of human anthropology are messed up. We assume the secret to deep discipleship is simply to accumulate more information. David Kinnaman provides another explanation. He writes, quote, Most people in America, when they are exposed to the Christian faith, are not being transformed. They take one step into the door, and the journey ends. They are not being allowed, encouraged, or equipped to love or to think like Christ. Yet in many ways, a focus on spiritual formation fits what a new generation is really seeking. Transformation is a process, a journey, not a one-time decision. Francis Chan said, We reduce discipleship to a canned program, and so many in the church end up sidelined in a spectator mentality that delegates disciple-making, to pastors and professionals, ministers, and missionaries, end quote. Amen. We just got done exploring the difference between the professional Christian and the lay Christian. Even some neuroscientists agree with the problem. Dr. Jim Wilder wrote about discipleship, quote, We use the phrase spiritual formation, which is a fancy way of talking about how we become more like Jesus in our daily lives. We react to life like he does. We value what he values. We treat people the way he treats people. It's the process of putting on the character of Christ. We all agreed that this was the central task of the church. We also agreed that the church was mostly failing at this task, end quote. Yet C.S. Lewis said, If the church is not making disciples, then all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible are a waste of time, end quote. We've described deep discipleship and the lack of it in a few different ways, one of which we recently explored in the book The Critical Journey. It suggests that the overall progression of discipleship can be described in six stages. Stage one is acknowledging or meeting God. Stage two is learning more about God. Stage three is serving God. For the most part, modern Christian institutions are very well prepared and excellent at guiding us into those three stages. However, for most of us, Church institutions provide little or no help in navigating stages 4, 5, and 6, the journey inward, the journey outward, and a life of love. Stage 4 also includes the infamous wall, those periods of crisis and doubt, confusion, disorientation, suffering, deconstruction, this dark night of the soul. These latter stages constitute the deep end of discipleship. If we have the courage and the guidance to navigate the wall, We begin to experience God in new ways. We not only know more about Jesus, we also experience Him deeply. We come to know ourselves well, even when that's risky. We're able to face the inevitable trials and sufferings of life with peace and passion and a genuine sacrificial love for God and others, appropriately loving our enemies, facing fear and anxiety with peacefulness, and experiencing the joys and sorrows of life freely. So this nagging disconnection, this sense that there may be more to the Christian life, slowly fades away as we move into the later stages of discipleship. We find ourselves immersed in God. He really is enough. However, if our church institutions struggle to guide us into and through these later stages, many of us end up stuck in stages one, two, or three. And we're missing out on the depth and the breadth and the power, the impact and the peace that the Bible promises. This is another way to describe the formation gap. You know, it's funny, but for all the pastors, theologians, laypeople, podcasts, and books I encounter, I don't think I've come across anyone who thinks modern Christianity is successfully making deep disciples. Some people think we're okay at making converts, but that isn't what the Great Commission calls us to do. This is precisely why Soil and Roots forms and supports greenhouses we probably shouldn't just keep doing the things we've been doing and expect different results. We need to recapture or reform or restore the types of communities the New Testament modeled, even if those communities look a bit odd to our current Western lifestyle and church expectations. All right, so let's get practical. What exactly is a greenhouse? If you're looking at the two documents from the website, you'll see it's a group of 4 to 12 people who get together on a regular basis to specifically grow in community, to become more like Jesus. So a greenhouse purposefully embodies all five elements time, habit, community, intimacy, and instruction. In other words, a greenhouse fills the formation gap. Well, let's talk about time. Greenhouses meet twice a week for 90 minutes each, usually in someone's house or in a place of business or in a church. Now I'll pause here because when I talk about greenhouses in public, there are usually some gasps when I mention that greenhouses gather two times per week. At the end of today's episode, I'll deal directly with this objection, but for right now, I'll just note, a greenhouse is specifically designed to become what we call a sitcom-type community. It becomes a primary group intent on building relationships with God and each other. Because time is a necessary element in our formation, and time with each other is so important, a greenhouse prioritizes time. There are three roles in a greenhouse, the facilitator the host, and the participants. The facilitator is a critical role because he or she starts and ends the gathering on time and moves the group through the various rhythms and helps to listen and guide the conversation. Greenhouses follow the so-called Vince Lombardi rule. He was a famous football coach who said, early is on time and on time is late. So a facilitator honors everyone's time by kicking off the gathering on time and ending it on time every time. In most cases, that means the group needs to arrive a few minutes early in order to get settled in. The host is essential because he or she coordinates the location and the environment and the food. More on that in a minute. The facilitator and the host are sometimes the same person or maybe a couple. In our greenhouse, I play the role of facilitator and Jessica is the host. Everyone else is a deeply valued, necessary participant. The first weekly gathering centers around two what we call rhythms. Reflection and Exploration After a short time of prayer and announcements, and everyone taking a turn to share some good news, the facilitator moves into a time of reflection. This is an open time for anyone to share something from the previous week's gatherings. This may be a comment that someone made that had an impact, or something they learned from their prayer time, a thought or a conclusion that was particularly helpful, or something they didn't agree with and they want to explore further. After some time and reflection, the facilitator moves into the rhythm we call exploration. Right now, the basis for this rhythm is this podcast. Greenhouses work through one Soil and Roots episode per week, in order, on their own time, and then they explore the episode during the gathering. Greenhouses delve into the Bible, into personal stories, and into some pretty deep places in order to draw out and pick apart the key ideas and topics from that week's episode. Soil and Roots provides basic exploration questions for each episode for the facilitator. So there's virtually no preparation except listening to or reading that week's episode. The exploration rhythm is not a time of teaching. The podcast episode provides the raw material. The facilitator's role is to guide an open discussion. Remember, less monologue, more dialogue. The facilitator may get through all of the provided questions, or maybe just one. Because we live in an era of instantly available and fabulous teaching, this is not a typical Bible study or instructional course. This is a time for the community to explore and discuss how we grow to become more like Jesus, and we use the podcast episodes as a starting point. So doubt, disagreement, and polite debate are welcomed, and trust me, it happens. Providing everyone in the group is respectful and reasonable, this is an intentional time where ideas get poked and prodded and worked out and beaten up. That's the point. The facilitator then closes the gathering with prayer and any last-minute announcements, and the host may need to cover a few things for gathering too. That's because the second gathering of the week is what we jokingly refer to as the gastro-gathering. This time together features a meal every week. Eating together played a crucial role in New Testament discipleship, so greenhouses make it a point to enjoy a time of eating and sharing each week. Gathering two also features two rhythms, soul care and spiritual habits. These words may be unfamiliar to you, but both of them are ancient practices that have been used in Christian context for generations. After everyone has filled their plates with great food, The facilitator once again starts on time with prayer and announcements and some shared good news. Then the group moves into a time of soul care. Now, we explored soul care back in episode 42. We're borrowing this rhythm from what used to be called the class meeting, which was a small weekly community gathering instrumental in the growth and formation of the Methodist Church a few hundred years ago. Now, I'm not Methodist, but John Wesley was on to something, and he borrowed this rhythm from more ancient discipleship communities. It's simply a time of answering the question, how is your soul? In modern English, we might ask, how's your walk with Jesus? Or how are you becoming more like him this week? People in the greenhouse who wish to share something are invited to do so. It's not an obligation, and the point isn't necessarily to make sure everyone gets to speak each week, though that often happens. The point is to invite individuals to ponder their journey of experiencing God and allow others to join them on that journey. The time to pause catch our breath, and be with one another as we work through the trials and joys of life. It's a very special part of the greenhouse ecosystem. It's really invaluable. Then the facilitator will guide the group into a discussion on spiritual habits. Of the four rhythms of a greenhouse, this is typically the one that takes a while to settle in. In our age, most of us aren't used to exploring and practicing habits such as silence or solitude or confession or contemplation or even celebration or times of extended listening. Yet church history is filled with story after story of the formative power of spiritual disciplines. Jesus certainly practiced and modeled them. There's no master list of spiritual habits, though Southern Roots recommends a few books that contain some short lists. Each greenhouse prayerfully discusses some disciplines and chooses one. Each participant then practices it throughout the week, and the facilitator guides a discussion on how it's going. The point isn't to put some schedule together of how many habits we explore and how long we practice them, it's to test some disciplines and discuss them and grow together through that shared experience. The facilitator then closes out the gathering with prayer and any last-minute announcements. That's it. Easy peasy. Four to twelve people, two gatherings per week, with each gathering featuring two different rhythms. The group listens to one podcast episode per week and practices one spiritual discipline. Now, chances are you've already spotted how greenhouses intentionally embody all five elements of formation. So, time. We meet twice per week, and typically engage each other at other times throughout. Habit. Each greenhouse picks and practices a spiritual discipline. Community. Well, the point is to intentionally cultivate a primary sitcom-like community. Greenhouses encourage a depth of relationship not easily found in our current era. Intimacy. The four rhythms are structured to encourage a slow, gradual, safe journey into more trusted relationships with God and each other. Everyone is at different stages in their journey, and that's great. Greenhouses simply provide a place where safe, trusted, vulnerable relationships may be developed. And instruction. A greenhouse is not attempting to be a traditional Bible study or curriculum-based group. By all means, keep doing those things. The podcast provides the base material, but the purpose isn't to simply accept the monologue and move on. It's to explore it together as a group. Kyle and I are attempting to model this for you when we share the Greenhouse podcast episodes with you. So the podcast provides the base instruction, but it is more about dialogue than monologue. So who can be in a greenhouse? Well, pretty much anyone who has a desire to learn about becoming more like Jesus. They want to listen to and learn from other people's stories and dig into the deep end of discipleship. Does that mean it's only for Christians? No. In fact, people who may be curious about Jesus and the kingdom may find it quite helpful. Greenhouses can be implemented in one of two models. The first is part of a local church. Your church may want to test or start communities that are intentionally formative and want to incorporate the four rhythms into your congregation. If your church is interested in deep discipleship, longs for the kingdom, and understands the importance of understanding your personal story as part of your journey, this may be a great ecosystem for you and your church. The second is a parachurch model. Your greenhouse may include participants from various churches or denominations, something like the Bible Fellowship model, if you're familiar with that. Kyle and I are in a greenhouse, and this is the model of our group. In fact, every family represented goes to a different church. Keep in mind that there may be instances where folks in a greenhouse don't have a church home. Perhaps they live in an area where there are no solid churches, or maybe someone has experienced spiritual abuse in a church and has left. If someone hasn't decided to apprentice yet with Jesus, they may not have a church home or they may be part of another religion. They are all welcomed to be part of a greenhouse. Soil and Roots is not a church. It's a faith-based nonprofit that forms and supports greenhouses in various contexts. We welcome anyone who wishes to be part of a community that is journeying together to become more like our king. The only exception is the role of the facilitator. This is a critical role in the greenhouse, so Soil and Roots gets to know and vets potential facilitators. Soil and Roots has a basic statement of faith, and facilitators are required to review and embrace it. Also, though we certainly don't expect a facilitator to agree with everything said on the podcast, they at least need to be sympathetic to its basic themes. Things like the three primary problems, heart view, and the five key elements of formation. But remember, the facilitator is not an instructor. So we're looking for facilitators who have deep compassion for people, are amazing listeners, and can ask great questions while guiding respectful dialogue. If someone feels the need to immediately correct any theological issue or call out some minor offense on the spot, they may not want to consider this role. If they find themselves needing to be the center of attention... This would not be a good role. If they're a nonstop talker, don't become a facilitator. But if you desire a tight community and you want to create an atmosphere of listening and learning and exploring and generally want to hear other people's stories, this may be right up your alley. If you sense that God is calling you to be a facilitator, it's great. Soil and Roots obviously believes in the power and purpose of community, so we provide ongoing support and gatherings for our facilitators generally through regular online conferencing and social media. Think of it as greenhouses for facilitators. So those are the basics of the who, what, when, where, why, and how of a greenhouse. Feel free to refer to the two handouts we referenced earlier for more information, and if you're interested in forming a greenhouse and being a facilitator, just shoot us an email at fish at soil and Okay, so let's finish up by addressing the most popular objection to joining a greenhouse. I don't have the time. We run across this objection with some regularity, and here's how we address it. We don't. If someone doesn't have the time, they don't have the time. Don't worry about it. Establishing a greenhouse is about inviting someone into a five-element community, and that type of community may not be for them for any number of very good reasons. So we invite. We don't persuade. We're not trying to sell anything. In general, you aren't looking for someone you have to persuade. You're looking for someone who is thrilled and excited about gathering twice per week and who is longing for the chance to become more like Jesus in a specific type of community. Let me put it another way. If we go back to the critical journey and their description of the six stages of discipleship, the authors acknowledge that institutional churches do a pretty good job of introducing people to God and teaching about him and providing opportunities to serve. So if someone is in stages one, two, or three at a great church, why would they want to join a greenhouse? I've mentioned this before, but chances are the people who resonate most with the greenhouse are people in stage four and the wall, or people who have been there but bounced back to an earlier stage and who are now ready to press on ahead. Meaning, if you're like me and didn't know there were deeper stages in the journey, you wouldn't see the need or have the desire to be part of a greenhouse. But if you've been in crisis, if you've ever doubted parts of your faith or questioned things you once thought were solid— if you find yourself longing for a deep sense of community, if you want somewhere to be able to share and explore your own story and hear others, and if you want to know more about this kingdom thing, a greenhouse may well be for you. And there certainly are situations where people are already in intentional five element communities, perhaps in their church or a friend group. The point is, not everybody wants to or should be in a greenhouse. When we started our greenhouse, we prayed that God would draw the people to it that want to engage in the journey we're on. And he did. We simply shared the mission and vision of soul and roots and the purpose of a greenhouse and our hope and expectation to become more like Jesus and the people God wanted to show up, showed up. Trust me, the people who have hit the wall and recognize the need for a primary community will make the time. In fact, it will be a joy for them to do so. We invite, we don't persuade. And for those who don't have the time, we remain inviting, if their situation changes down the road. And that, folks, is a greenhouse. The next episode is the last of Season 3, and Kyle and I will greenhouse, well, the greenhouse. We'll explore the things we've covered here and share some experiences from our group. Hey, thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, share the podcast and give it a great rating on your favorite podcast platform. Soreland Roots is a nonprofit, faith-based organization supported by people just like you. So if you'd like to financially support this work, you can do so at www.soilandroots.org. And as always, reach out to us via email at fish at We'll see you next time.